What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. Well, I hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to the Sean Spicer Show. What a weekend. I don't even know where to start. There's so much that happened between Friday and today. Uh, Luckily, we're going to cover it all. (laughs) I mean, Trump is in court today. Normally, that would have been like the unequivocal lead of this show. And I mean, we're going to get into it. Alan Dershowitz is going to join us in just a second to talk about this court case because it is unbelievable uh, from so many legal angles uh, as well as some of the other indictments and legal strategies that are going up against him as he runs. But I mean, seriously, we left here Friday. I would have bet anything. I mean, I'm not kidding you, like that the government was going to shut down. Um, And I don't think there is anybody who thought that this deal was going to happen. I mean, nobody. And if they do, they're a liar. Because this was not even in the playbook. Um, A shutdown was literally averted at the 11th hour. I mean, the Senate, the House passed this thing with Democratic votes. We'll talk about this in a minute. I didn't think this, there was no way. I, I just, I literally didn't think there was no way that McCarthy would pull this out. And then the Senate would have time to do it, that there was even a last minute move by this um, Colorado Senator Bennett to slow it down because it didn't have Ukraine money in it. And then of course you're thinking to yourself, is Joe Biden really going to be able to stay up that late to sign the bill? Uh, they did. And um, at 11.28, I think, PM, he signed it, which I got to be honest, he was wearing a coat and tie in the photo they put out. I'm thinking, there's no way. Like they had to photoshop. Seriously, can you imagine? Mr. President, you have to stay up to 11 o'clock. You know, uh, no way, no way. So anyway, let me get back to this because Dershowitz is coming up, but but Trump flew to New York. He's sitting in court today um, because Letitia James, the attorney general, has made the case that he inflated and exaggerated the um, the value of his Trump organization properties. We're talking Mar-a-Lago, Trump Tower, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this gets really interesting real quick, though, and I'm going to explain why. But anyway, I mentioned the shutdown. Yes, the government, all these federal workers are going to their job today, but you do have to wonder about Kevin McCarthy's job because Matt Gates, the congressman from Florida, says he's planning a motion to vacate, which, as we recall, only takes one, uh, by week's end. So it may not be today that, that, that it happens, but it's he says it's going to happen by week's end. And then there's a bunch of scenarios about working with Democrats, not, and whatever. I will get to all that. Trust me in a second. But staying down with the political news, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is announcing probably later this week that he is going to run for president as an independent. Are you excited about that? I'm not. Why? Because I think this takes from Trump. There's no question about it. I want the independent vote out there. Um, you know, Cornell West is a Green Party candidate. Absolutely. I'm all for that. No labels. Sure. But you got to understand, 
Look at the people that it's drawing from, the RFK run. It's going to hurt Trump. And uh, so if you're cheering right now, just know that that's not a good, well, unless you want Biden to win. Because right now, if it's just RFK, uh, that helps Joe Biden become president. Fact. Um, going back to the shutdown for a second. You remember all the talk after January 6th about people doing things that would disrupt Congress's ability to do its job? Well, New York Congressman Jamal Bowman pulled a fire alarm as the Dems were getting ready to vote. And the media and his AOC colleagues all ran to him and said, oh, it's just a misunderstanding. Lots of people pull fire alarms to get out of a door. I'll show you the photos. We've got it all uh, in just a moment. But you, this is just insane. Unless you're, if you're listening on audio, I put it out on Twitter as well, or X, whatever the heck we're calling it. And then lastly, California, guess what? You guys got a new senator. They just happened to live and vote in Maryland. I'm not kidding. Gavin Newsom, in an effort to keep um, his virtue signaling, whatever leftist promises to appoint a black woman, did just that. He appointed Emily Liss, President LaFonza Butler. She just happens to live and vote in Maryland. All right, clearly a lot to get into. Let's do it. Let's get into this. All right, as I said, I don't think that there's anybody. Uh, I mean, even like uh, I was going to CVS and a guy, the guy behind the counter says, just knew who I was. And he's like, so the government's going to shut down. I'm like, absolutely. Everybody knew this was going to happen. I mean, it was just, I actually thought it was going to happen for a while. But here we are, Monday morning, these federal workers are like, oh my gosh, I have to go to work. Um, there was this last minute deal. And it literally was the last minute deal to keep the government open. Here's the thing. And this is where it got weird. The Senate had passed over a, a, a continuing resolution. The House was then have to send something back. In theory, you negotiate, and that's where it goes. So McCarthy is trying to get all of the Republicans together, and he puts a deal that has no Ukraine funding in it, cuts domestic spending by 8%, cuts, and has more money for securing the border. Matt Gates and a handful of folks say no. They reject that. Just so we're clear, they rejected cutting spending and securing the border. Okay, let that sink in because I just don't, I still don't understand this. I've listened to Gates now give five interviews and none of them make sense. He's like, well, the Senate wasn't going to do anything. No kidding. Well, that's why you go into conference. Maybe you take that eight and it becomes four or whatever, but this is the process. So McCarthy said, fine, I'll just pass a clean CR, no Ukraine funding, for 45 days. And then Gates wigs out. I, so here's the deal. And I'm not alone on this. Mark Levin and a bunch of other people. You had a deal that cut spending and secured the border. Yes, the Senate may not liked it. But this is, the House is controlled by Republicans. The Democrats control the Senate. Boom, little negotiation time. We passed a clean deal for 45 days. We will now spend more money unequivocally because of this. And Gates now wants to go after McCarthy. Um, I, I, I am going to cover this a little bit later, um, but I, I just, there's going to be this motion to vacate. It only takes one member. And, and McCarthy's, and Gates is saying, well, then McCarthy's going to have to get Democrat votes to stay on. 
I don't know that that's true. I don't know where this goes. The same way that no one saw this coming, anyone who tells you that this is how it's going to play out with McCarthy doesn't know what they're talking about. Trust me on this. Because McCarthy needs 218. There'll be a motion to vacate. Then where does it go? There's a bunch of little, we're going to have a, plenty of time to talk about this because it's going to, It's. I think it's going to happen later in the week. I actually think that there's a good chance that Gates holds off on doing this. Just go with me on this. But he doesn't have a plan. There's no plan. That's just a fact. Who would replace him? I don't know. How would it go down? Because the, the what is going to happen is the McCarthy allies will motion to table this thing. Does it have the votes? Does it not? What do Democrats do? Because they could theoretically bail out McCarthy. But just to be clear, Gates and the other guys voted with the Democrats to shoot down an 8% cut in border security. So for Matt Gates to tell everyone about voting with Democrats, that's what he did over the weekend, just so we're clear about what happened. I think it was a little late to allow all this to happen. As I've said all along, you guys knew this was happening. Anyway, but in order to potentially delay this vote, New York Congressman Jamal Bowman pulled a fire alarm. Now, I want to show you, if I can, I'm going to put up the him. This is, at first, the media was like, oh, allegedly, potentially him. Nope, there's a video of him pulling the fire alarm. Pulling the fire alarm and video. So what happens? He realizes that this happens and they put out a statement and they say like, oh, I was, I didn't realize that this was happening. And then they started to realize, what do you mean you didn't realize it was happening? Let me show you the door he's trying to get out. Do you see the door right there? It says emergency exit. Press if da, da, da. This is a principal. He's a, he was a middle school principal. You know what a fire alarm is. There is no fire alarm that opens a door. That's not how it works. You just push it. This guy was a principal. He knows this. And yet MSNBC initially was, oh, well, it's alleged and we don't know. Yes, you did. He put out a statement. There was no alleged guy. He put out a statement on Twitter saying, I did it. I mean, anyway, it's crazy because this is a guy who broke D.C. law. It's a misdemeanor to pull a fire alarm. He was disrupting Congress. So for all this talk about people interrupting Congress, Breaking the law, will Jamal Bowman face any of this? You know, I, I there's a bunch of New York members that think he should. I agree. Let's go. Where's all your talk? But then you saw the media, AOC, everyone else, circle the wagons. Oh, he was trying to escape a vestibule is what she said. Like he was trapped. This is his office building. He knows where to go. He just wanted to get... Like, and he pulled the fire alarm. If you wanted to open the door, I buy that. Hey, he walked out a door and the alarm went off. He didn't go out the door. He pulled a fire alarm. It says fire. That was a principle. He knows better. And yet here we go again. Let's circle the wagons and pretend that he probably didn't mean it because it's him. You know, all that talk about disrupting Congress, breaking the law. Again, shh, goes away. But it's probably getting swept under because all they want to do is talk to Matt Gates and ask about whether he's done this. Gates was out saying, Speaker McCarthy has been brazen, repeated material breach of his agreement with you made because he made this secret deal and did all this. Look, I, I don't care where you come down and what you think. McCarthy has kept this place together. We've had votes. We've cut, started to cut spending. We're moving in the right direction. McCarthy knows his guardrails. But M Gates doing this, this is, there is no plan. And all we're going to do now is waste time 
if he does this motion of okay, vacate, with a bunch of motions that will take up time that we could be passing appropriations bills. I, I We will have plenty of time to break this all down this week because I, I, I think it's going to be a while. I've got some great guests. Nancy Mace will be joining us later this week. Some other folks that I, I can get a sense of where this thing is. But right now, this morning, Trump was in New York facing this um, charge that he's inflated the costs of all these properties. And um, it is unbelievable. And obviously, if you saw, they valued Mar-a-Lago at 18 million bucks. I will tell you this right now. There's, I mean, part of Mar-a-Lago is not even worth 18. It, it crosses from the intercoastal waterway on one side all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. It goes under the, the main drag there, A1A. It's got pools, 120-something rooms, a restaurant, and people pay $250,000 a year just to join this thing. You're telling me it's worth 18 million bucks. Go, go on Zillow or Google Matt and find a property even near it. Most of them are worth like $25,000, dollars $40,000 for just a little house. This thing's a sprawling estate. And they say it's 18 million, not possible. But this is what Attorney General Letitia James wants to do. She wants to jump in. She's seeing everyone else get a piece of Trump. I want a piece too. And the kicker is, is that, that this judge has already made a summary judgment. There is so much to break down and I'm excited that we've got Alan Dershowitz joining us in just a second because I don't understand. It's almost like they, they, they blew past the trial part of it. They found him guilty. They're now talking about the penalty and taking away his business license. It would entirely break up the Trump organization. And we're gonna get into this because Trust me, there's no one better that's going to understand this than Alan Dershowitz, who, you guys know this, he doesn't like Trump. He supports the law, though. And we're going to ask him about that. He wrote a book called Get Trump. I mean, he knows what it's like. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. All right, as I said, no one better to break this, this court case down than Alan Dershowitz. He's an unbelievable legal analyst uh, who is a professor emeritus of law at Harvard. He represented many, many high-profile cases, including Trump. Remember, he was a Trump impeachment lawyer that defended Donald Trump. He's a best-selling author, and his latest book is called Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and Our Constitutional Rule of Law. But as I said, the one thing you have to keep in mind, this is a guy who didn't vote for Trump, but he cares about the law so much that he. this is why I think his opinion is so valuable right now. All right, Professor, welcome back to the show. What a day. Uh, God, I'm glad you're here to break this down. Let me just start with this. There's a, this is what they, what you guys call a bench trial. There's no jury. Why do you think, um, number one, why did Trump's team agree to a bench trial versus a jury trial? And number two, what I don't understand is these guys are, seem to be walking into court and it looks like the judge has already ruled against them, but the, nothing has started. So explain where things stand and why they are the way they are, if you will. This is one of the most absurd trials I've ever seen. It, it should be a jury trial. There are fact issues. The judge got the facts all wrong. He uh, suggested that Mar-a-Lago was worth between 18 and $27 million. Tell you what, Sean, you and I will borrow some money <laughs> and buy Mar-a-Lago for $27, $37, $47 million 
and sell it for 10 times that amount soon. So a jury should be hearing this case, but it's not. It should be on television. Everybody should be able to see it. It's not. The judge posed, you know, took his glasses off and did a nice smile and got his moment on uh, TV. But the American public has the right to see this trial and judge for themselves. Who has been the exaggerating person here? Uh, sure, Trump may have overestimated his wealth, but the judge way, way, way underestimated his wealth. And this is something that a jury should decide not a judge who seems as biased and one-sided as this judge does, and the prosecution who seems. Remember, too, I named my book. I'm not an original guy. <laughs> I didn't come up with this title. This is Letitia James's title. This is her campaign pledge to get Trump. And in my book, Get Trump, I go through this case and show how it's part of the Get Trump movement and posse. And the American public has the right to see that and judge for themselves. Okay, but, but let's get back to the question. Why did the Trump campaign, wouldn't they have had to agree to a bench trial versus a jury trial? Well, the law in New York is very strange on these kinds of issues. Um, because their proceedings what are called inequity, um, they're, 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 not, they're, they're designed to give the judge the power to take equitable remedies, for example, taking away his control over the um, uh, properties, uh, he may not have been able to get a jury trial on all the issues he wanted to, but surely he should have sought a jury trial. He should have argued for it, and he should have appealed any judgment that denied him a jury trial. You, you brought up Mar-a-Lago. I mean, the judge says $18 million. It goes from the intercoastal across A1A over to the Atlantic. It's 120-something rooms. They You have to pay $250,000 just to join it. I mean, Zillow alone on next door properties are at like 30, 40 million. So to your point, isn't that like on its face, can't you go in and say, judge, if you're saying that I over-exaggerated it, here's Zillow. Here's the, here's what the, 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 you know, says about these small properties right near me. Like, I, I, I guess my question is, how, doesn't that, if, if a guy gets to decide your fate, is there any, what's his recourse? Well, that's the point. And of course, CNN never mentions that. They only mention the fact that he may have exaggerated the square footage of his apartment in New York, and he may very well have done that. Don't know what he counted, whether he counted outside space, whether he counted communal areas. Don't know. That will obviously come out during testimony. But there's no way, no way of justifying the judge's even mention of uh, 17 or 18 to 27 million dollars. It's not forget about the ballpark. It's not in the same city. It's not in the same country. And so we really have a ready reason to doubt the judge's uh, credibility, objectivity and common sense. And that's why the American public should have the right to see this trial and judge for themselves. I don't like judge trials and I never waive uh, jury trials for a lot of reasons. First of all, when you waive a jury trial, you waive the right to appeal the instructions and the instructions of the judge are what normally gets you a reversal on appeal. So it's, in my views, almost always a mistake, particularly in a case like this, not to have a jury trial if it's possible. You know, obviously, again, you're the, you, you wrote the book, Get Trump, you get it. Uh, but what, what I don't get is what, they keep talking about him be, them being able to break up the Trump organization, right? Obviously, the Trump organization, the company is based in New York. Trump Towers in New York. He's got other some properties down on Wall Street and et cetera. Mar-a-Lago is in Florida. Bedminster's in New Jersey. 
um, one of the properties in Scotland. He's got the hotel in Chicago. What 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 does this judge and what does Letitia James as the New York attorney general have jurisdiction of when it comes to the organization and the Trump properties? Well, generally, it's the property that's in New York. They may be able to say, you know, that there are shell corporations that control properties outside of uh, New York. But this is going to be the first. You're going to see uh, state prosecutors uh, going after Trump properties all over. The District of Columbia has one. We don't know what uh, what name the properties are in. And uh, this trial will disclose to the American public exactly what Trump has and doesn't have, what his children have, what they don't have, and what the value is. And uh, my prediction is that it will come out uh, somewhere in between. There's also a great conflict, whether you need to show intent. Um, and uh, here you have a situation where apparently the attorney general isn't even claiming that anybody lost any money. And, and, and why is the attorney general wasting money protecting banks? Uh, banks have the ability to protect themselves. Uh, the, all these statements say, don't take what we say as final. You know, assess it yourself. You have in-house accountants, you have people who do the assessment, uh, why is Letitia James protecting banks for one reason? Get Trump. Right. This has nothing to do with the banks. This has only to do with get Trump. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe, download now the truth. I, I keep thinking to myself, when I refinanced my home, when I bought my home, they sent the bank sends an appraiser. And that's, of course. that's right. So I can say my house is worth my, I mean, my wife and I talk about this all the time. Hey, what do you think the house is worth? And we'll say, well, you know, the neighborhood has gotten better. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. But at the end of the day, it's the bank that sends the appraiser so he can say he, all he wants. And I'm sure he does believe that it's worth a lot of money because he's going to tell you that his brand is worth this. But I, I get that. Is this, I mean, going back to the nut of the book, is this really just about getting Trump? It's about getting Trump. That's all it's about. If this were any other businessman, and there are many other businessmen and real estate owners in New York, Letitia James would not be doing this. You know, I have a place on Martha's Vineyard that I bought very inexpensively because it was before any of the presidents uh, ever came. And my wife and I talk about it all the time. How much is it's worth? We think it's worth this. And then we look on Zwillow and it's worth twice as much as we think it's worth. But we don't think Zwillow is necessarily right because we know what neighbors have have sold their houses for. And that is the more relevant figure. But tax assessment, what the judge looked at, is the worst way right. to assess the value of an actual house. Because we know that tax assessors don't uh, assess property at their full value. Exactly. So let me ask you this. There's a question, and I didn't really understand this because I heard a lot of chatter, about whether Trump will take the witness stand. This is a civil trial. It's not a criminal trial. So number one, can the government call him as a witness? Yes. Um, and secondly, if they don't call, what should they call him as a witness? And if they don't, should his team call him as a witness? Well, they can call him as a witness and he can claim the Fifth Amendment, not as to anything civil, but he can claim that his answers might incriminate him criminally, either in a state case or one of the four uh, other cases that are pending against him. Um, should he be called? 
you know, you have to know what he's going to say. You have to read what, remember, he's been deposed already. So we pretty much know what he can say and what he can't say. He can't contradict himself. So it's, uh, it's a tactical decision. And it's usually a decision that gets made at the last minute. My prediction is we will hear from Donald Trump. Okay, if, if, then let's take your prediction one step further. He can, this is what I, the, the, the government could call him as a witness. He could take the fifth, although my understanding is in New York State, if you take the fifth, the judge can presume negative That's things right. about you. Or his team could call him. If you predict that he's going to take the stand, who do you think is the one that puts him on the stand first? Well, I think in the end, uh, it's the prosecution that has the right to make the decision first because they're putting on their case first. And I think they will call him um, as as a witness. And um, he's in a tough situation because if he pleads the fifth, it can be used uh, against him. And if he doesn't plead the fifth, if he testifies, they're going to try to get him on perjury. They're going to say to him, you said that your house was 30,000 square feet. Here's the diagram that shows it's 11,000 square feet. You know, explain to us the discrepancy. And, you know, Trump, he will try to explain it. And he may fall into a perjury trap. That's why his lawyers will probably be very cautious. And if the state doesn't call him, very likely they won't call him because they don't want to see him exposed to the possibility of of criminal perjury. So if the, the judge seems to have already found him guilty, right? That this, That's what I didn't understand about this process. The summary judgment says, I believe you did commit fraud. And uh, and, and so this really, is this, what, what is really happening right now in court? Because it appears to me as a non-lawyer, the judge has already made up his mind. And so one, what's happening? And two, will Trump be able to appeal this? Oh, definitely he'll be able to appeal it. The question is when. Uh, can he appeal it now that summary judgment has been granted? My understanding is that the judge didn't grant summary judgment on everything, but only on most things. And that leaves open the possibility that there can be some other uh, judgments made, particularly about remedies, about what the enforcement mechanism will be. And generally, you can't appeal uh, a summary judgment if it's only partial and if there's still material yet to be resolved. So I suspect we won't get an appeal in this case until after the election. And that's uh, the goal of the Get Trump uh, posse, to try to get him convicted, found guilty, found fraud as much as possible before the election and don't care whether it gets reversed on appeal afterward, because at that point it won't affect the outcome of the election. But potentially between appealing uh, and a judgment, he could have his assets start to get put into receivership or something like that. Is that true? That's true. And there are many remedies that the state can try to uh, set out. And that could, it won't bankrupt him, but it can make it difficult for him to uh, make as much money as he'd like to, or to dispose of assets and conduct his business in the normal course of events. New York gives the attorney general an enormous amount of authority over property in New York. Uh, It raises some constitutional questions under the taking clause, under the due process clause. But uh, I don't think that Trump can count on favorable verdicts from courts in New York. No, I want to shift gears because the last time we talked, we we had a discussion about the 14th Amendment. Yeah. And since that discussion, California, Colorado, New Hampshire, Minnesota have filed lawsuits. Um, Walk me through all of these secretaries of state seem to say we're going to let the courts make a decision. We're not going to remove Trump from the ballot. But we'll wait till the court does something and then we'll act accordingly. 
so will it take one state just doing something or how how do you see this playing out? The 14th Amendment has this section that says if somebody's been, you know, involved in an insurrection, they are no longer fit from office. The key thing that's so interesting about, about the 14th Amendment for me is that it lists all of these officers and office holders in the United States, but not president of the United States. It talks about the vice president, senators. On its face, it would seem that it doesn't apply to Trump. Well, that's one of the arguments that will be uh, made. Uh, I don't think the courts are going to want to get involved in this. Already the Supreme Court, I think today, has ducked the issue in an unsigned uh, unanimous opinion. It refused to take a case. I think we're going to see courts duck this case. Uh, there's but doesn't no mechanism. a lower court, I get that, that might be the Supreme Court, but what happens if, if a lower court rules that he you know, pulls him off the ballot, then ducking it would be upholding the lower court, right? Yeah, and that won't happen. The Supreme Court would reverse that. I believe, look, there's no mechanism for enforcement. Say if it were applied to the president, there's a mechanism for getting two mechanisms for getting rid of the president. Impeachment, which is treason, high crimes, misdemeanors, et cetera, or the 25th Amendment in capacity. And those are very difficult to enforce. Do you think the framers of the 14th Amendment really intended to circumvent those two procedures for removing a president and allow some secretary of state in Nevada uh, to decide the election or in some other purple state. No, that's not what the framers had in mind. That's what Professor Lawrence Tribe would like the framers to have had in mind because it comports with his political goals, but it's not the way you read the Constitution. But, but I guess my question is, with these states moving forward at least, is there some possibility that one of them grapples on, makes a decision to remove Trump. And then you've got to just hope that the other, I mean, right now, that's the thing. If one state, Colorado, California, New Hampshire, Minnesota, takes action, the other states can look at that and say, well, we've seen a ruling from the lower court. The problem I think that is interesting to me as far as election goes is that there's a finite date when the election occurs. And if there isn't a legal resolution by then, that's what could harm Trump is that there's only so much time on the clock. And it would make his election or his lack of election unacceptable to the American public. Look, I am not a Trump supporter. I want Trump to be defeated honestly, openly by a majority of American voters who vote against him. I don't want to see cheating. And what Professor Tribe and others are doing is cheating. They're trying to cheat the American public of their right to vote for who the next president should be and leave it to a bunch of secretaries of state. I think the appellate courts will see through this. And my prediction, my prediction so far have been pretty accurate. You will not see any state take him off the ballot in time for the election. There will be some litigation, but he will be on the ballot for all of the states and uh, let the American public decide. So on that other case that he's facing down in Georgia, there was a motion by Mark Meadows, his former chief of staff, to move it from Fulton County, from the state court down there to the federal court. You and I spoke about this last time. The court has denied this. So number one, what does that mean for Meadows? And secondly, for Trump, how does this bode for him? Because I would assume that he would want his, his uh, trial moved to federal court as well. Oh, yeah. And it'll be appealed. Um, it, it's a close case as to whether it should be removed. The uh, government argues that, look, they were acting ultra-virus. They weren't acting as president and chief of staff. They were acting as political uh, people, so it doesn't apply. But, you know, when you're the president, as you know, 
there's no such thing as private action. Everything you do is you're the president of the United States. So there's a strong argument for removal as well. I suspect we'll see appellate courts intrude in that case. And of course, uh, even uh, uh, Mark Meadows has a strong case, but Trump has an even stronger case. He was serving as president of the United States at the time that these alleged criminal acts occurred. When you when you break this down in your book, are you going case by case looking at the, and, and And so how do you see this thing playing out, especially in, in Georgia? Well, I see it playing out with convictions in a number of cases prior to the election and reversals of the conviction after the election. That's why timing is everything. Timing yep. is so important. The Get Trump posse wants to get down and dirty convictions and they don't care about whether or not those convictions are reversed under the law. I, I just, I can't, it's it's amazing to me because I think, you know, you, as you said in your book and, and prior to this, that your predictions have been pretty spot on. And I think that the timing is what worries a lot of people, that they can see him getting convicted. I think the New York thing is going to be a big deal as well. Um, and they try to bleed him dry and then they run the clock out. And that's where I think, I, I think that, you know, this 14th Amendment thing is also concerning because, again, it comes down to the clock. You just need a lower court to Look, act. Mahomes, Mahomes did a brilliant thing at the end of the game uh, last night. Instead of running and getting a touchdown, he kneeled with uh, a little less than two minutes to go in the game, knowing that he could run the clock down. And so he won the case. He won the, 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 great, the great game by, by running the clock down. And that's not only a football metaphor, it actually happens and it can happen in elections as well. And we can't let that happen. It's okay to happen in football. It's not okay to happen when the American people want to vote for who the next president should be. All right, I'll spare you, I'll spare you the, uh, the Taylor Swift discussion uh, that also, but let me ask you this because earlier today, the Supreme Court denied John Eastman's petition with rare recusal from Thomas. Let me read you this. The Supreme Court on Monday denied an effort by lawyer John Eastman, who served President Trump, to appeal a ruling that found he may have acted criminally with the legal advice he gave former President Trump. What is that? What is the impact of that? Oh, I don't think it's uh, impactful at all. It's completely predictable. It's much too early. It's, there's not a complete record on it. The Supreme Court's not going to intervene uh, based on a claim that he was acting and giving legal advice. So it's a completely, entirely predictable decision that the courts, the appellate courts would stay away from a decision like this. That doesn't mean that they won't rule in his favor later on. That's possible. Yeah. Let me switch gears for a second. Over the weekend, there was a vote to keep the government open. Prior to that vote starting, a New York Congressman, uh, Jamal Bowman, pulled a fire alarm in the Cannon House office building. Um, apparently he didn't realize that a fire alarm doesn't open a door, although he was a middle school principal. He's claiming that he was confused. There are some Republican members that cite using sort of the theory of January 6th that he was disrupting congressional proceedings to postpone a vote, that it's a misdemeanor in the District of Columbia. Is this much to do about nothing or should there actually be consequences for this? There should be consequences. Look, this is the first case we've actually seen Oliver Wendell Holmes' famous statement, you can't cry <laughs> fire in a crowded theater because crying fire is the same as pulling the alarm. And pulling the alarm in a crowded Congress is not protected by the Constitution. And if he did it purposely in order to stop a vote, that should be looked at very seriously. He has immunity, obviously, from criminal prosecution, probably, but not from discipline from Congress. So 
what, what, where do you think, that, I mean, just in terms of, like you think about the, the folks that try to compare this to January 6th and say, okay, there was a congressional proceeding. He, he seemingly impeded it. Is that apples and apples or is that a, a bad comparison? No, it, it's, it's a pineapple and a grape. Uh, you know, a very, very big deal, the January 6th events, and a little grape. But it's a grape. It's not a nothing. And uh, you can uh, look at efforts. And remember, too, he's a member of Congress and you expect more of him and you don't expect those kinds of disruptive tactics to take place. So I think there ought to be hearings. I think you ought to be put under oath. I think you ought to be cross-examined. And let's find out the truth. So I, I, I do want to ask you, though, about some of these January 6th folks, because there's no question. I mean, look, as I've said before, there's no one in the right mind that thinks crawling into a federal building through a broken window is the appropriate way to enter a building. That being said, when you look at some of the sentences that these folks have received, um, and in no way condoning their actions for going into a federal building, breaking a thing, treating a police officer, are they being treated differently because it's January 6th? I mean, some of them are saying that they haven't seen a lawyer, they've been in these yeah, jails and well, held. Without a doubt, they ought to be treated similarly to the Black Lives Matter people who caused tremendous damage and disruptions uh, after the killing of, of, of George Floyd. Obviously, there are differences. I represent one of them, a law school student, who was welcomed in by the police. Um, but, and he's thinking about now, obviously, where he's innocent, but whether he can plead innocent or whether every verdict in the District of Columbia, which is 95% anti-Trump, whether he has the possibility even of getting a fair uh, trial in the District of Columbia. And the answer is no, yeah. you can't get a fair trial in the District of Columbia for anything relating to January 6th. And that's not the American way. One last question before we go, staying on Congress. Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey, um, was indicted, I guess that's the right word, by the, the Southern District of New York for potential bribes or, or alleged bribes from an Egyptian. Um, they found bars of gold with his fingerprints on him, cash stuffed in a jacket that said Bob Menendez with the seal on it. Uh, how much trouble is a guy like that in? Well, first of all, the government should not be able to stage photographs and put them online. Though That picture will remain indelibly in the mind of every jury, even though it's inadmissible. It was a staged picture. It wasn't a real picture. And But he's in trouble. Uh, he was in trouble last time, and the jury hung last time. These are hard cases to prove, because having money, cash or gold bars, isn't enough. You have to prove there was a direct quid pro quo. And that's not going to be easy to do in right. this case, as it wasn't easy to do in the case involving the optometrist. So uh, he must be presumed innocent, whether he's a Democrat or a Republican. The same rules have to apply. He's been a very good and decent uh, senator. The Democrats, of course, need him to maintain their majority vote, especially now with uh, uh, the great late uh, the Senator Feinstein ha having passed away tragically. Uh, so uh, there's pressure on the Democrats now, obviously, to have him resign and have the Democratic governor appoint somebody who's... Uh, uh, above reproach. He doesn't want to resign. I don't blame him. He's presumed innocent. Okay. The book is Get Trump. It has been spot on so far. Thank you for sharing your time with us once again. Thank you. All right. I enjoyed that conversation with Alan Dershowitz. I know I get your notes. I see it all the time. You say, why do you, Dershowitz isn't a Trump. Yes, he is. See, this is the beautiful thing. He actually cares about the law. So he's not going to say 
everything that just supports Trump for the sake of it. He's saying it because he means it, because he cares about the constitutional law. So you can get someone who's a total Trump supporter to get on and give you their take. I love the idea that he doesn't like him and he still cares about it. That's why he wrote a book called Get Trump and he lays out the cases to why it won't work. I think that's important. Two other political um, updates to share with you. Number one, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been this nuisance to Biden. The DNC's ignored him. They wouldn't allow debates. They've been jerks about everything. Well, guess what? He's going to leave and run as independent. I don't think this is great news. If you like, if you think that you want Republicans to win or Trump, uh, RFK has got a huge message and he's hugely popular with a lot of folks because of his COVID stance, because of his vaccine stance, because of a lot of the other stuff that he said. Um, I like him. Don't get me wrong. The, he, he, I like what he says. That's different. I think politically, he's going to hurt the Republican Party and he's going to help Joe Biden. We are going to continue to break this story down for you. But just trust me when I tell you, this is not a good thing for the Republicans. Yes, Cornell West. Yes, no labels. Here's the other political thing. California has a new senator. Um, her name is LaFonza Butler. But guess what? She lives in Maryland. So let me just stop for a minute and break this down to you. Gavin Newsom said that he was going to appoint a black female to replace Dianne Feinstein. And it wouldn't be one of the people who is running now because he didn't want to give him an advantage. Okay. I'm going to do a little math with you. The total population of California, according to the 2020 census, is just over 39 million people. Okay? 39 million people. According to the census, that census, because it's grown since then, but if you go back to use that one to keep the numbers equal to apples to apples, 2.251 million people in California are black, according to the census. Let's just say that half are women. Okay, that gives you just over 1.1 million people are black women in California that meet the Gavin Newsom criteria. He couldn't choose any of them. There are 1.1 roughly million black women that are in California. Let's say, let's cut that in half because not all of them are voting age. Let's just say half. There are roughly, let's, let's go on the low end, a half a million women who probably qualified to be senator and he went to Maryland. This woman is the head of Emily's List, far left pro-abortion group. She doesn't even live there. She votes in Maryland. Anyway, that just tells you how ridiculous identity politics has become. Well, that was one heck of a way to, to kick off a week, wasn't it? I mean, there is no lack of things to talk about. But with Trump in uh, New York today for that trial and the nuances, I couldn't think of a better guest than Alan Dershowitz. I've said before, I, I get some of you. Uh, I see your notes. Your where you go to my locals page, seanspicer.locals.com. I read your feedback. I read the video feedback on YouTube and Rumble if you're listening on, on Apple uh, as well. But I want to break this down for you. I want you to understand what the law is and what's, what it's up against. Because uh, this is unbelievable. You, the Mar-a-Lago thing, $18 million, seriously? How stupid. Anyway, um, this Gates thing on ousting McCarthy. He says by the end of the week, we'll see. As I told you, I, I kind of doubt it, but we'll see how this thing plays out. We will cover it covered all week long. We'll talk about it, what this means. Nancy Mace is going to be here later this week. Um, so much to talk about, especially with the government getting that 45-day reprieve. Uh, what does it mean for McCarthy, for government spending? Because let's not lose sight. This is about using this opportunity to cut some spending and some programs and to get our fiscal house in order to take care of our future. Anyway, I appreciate you kicking off the week with us here and I'll see you back here tomorrow on the Sean Spicer Show.